0: Let's give a a quick recap of what we did two weeks ago. Last week we didn't learn, I mean, we learned, just not Tanya. So let's give a quick recap and then we're going to move on. Perik Tesvav and Tanya, we start off with the Pasuk and Malachi. Malachi says that the time will come when Mashiach comes, we will be able to see the difference between a Tzadik and a Rasha. And there is, you know, Evid one who serves Hashem, and Ashalaya the one who doesn't serve Hashem. So the Gemara asks the question, the Gemara in Chagiga um, asks the question that Hainu uh, ben hehe asked this question. Hainu Tzadik, Hainu lakim Rasha, Hainu Same thing. Tzadik is one who serves Hashem, Rasha is one who doesn't serve Hashem. So why is the Pasuk being redundant and saying, you'll see the difference between a Tzadik? And a rush, Rab, between one who serves Hashem and one who doesn't serve Hashem. And the Gemara answers that any we can't compare one who learns, who reviews his study a hundred times, to one who reviews his study a hundred and one times. That the one who reviews his study a hundred and one times is, is one who serves Hashem. One who reviews his study only a hundred times, that's a lay avaday as someone who doesn't serve Hashem. And the Gemara brings the example from the the the, the donkey rentals. Mm-hmm. So, we explained last week that Avaday and Loya both of them are levels in Beinini. As the Gemara says, They're both beautiful people. The people have never done Um Why is one who learns 100, why is he considered, uh, hasn't served Hashem? the explains, because in the olden times, it was common practice to review what everyone learned 100 times, because it was Teresh balpeh, there weren't Asfarims, whatever was learned that really had to be committed to one's memory. So therefore, since a hundred times studying a hundred times was considered to be the normal, so someone who does that is that's what he's used to. So he's within his comfort zone. So he's not oivu de'lokim. He's not serving Hashem. He's not left his own. Uh, he's doing that which is he's used to, which he enjoys, and that which he's comfortable doing. To serve Hashem, you have to go beyond your comfort zone. You have to really um, learn a hundred and one times. And it's not the, It's not about the amount. It's not a hundred. You know, you think, okay, so if 100 is not serving Hashem, I have to study 200 times now? It's it's that extra one time that you push yourself. You're not used to it. It's beyond your comfort zone. It's not what you like. Um, that is what makes you, even the lakim, that's what makes you someone who serves Hashem. We gave the example last week of, you know, the husband comes home and does the chores. We spoke about that. Yeah. No? No? Imagine a husband who comes home every single night and after a long day of work and st- it's a standard, he comes home and for an hour he helps, does the chores, he washes some dishes and he, uh, you know, I don't know, folds some laundries, bathes the kid.
1: Takes the garbage out.
0: Takes the garbage out, right? We can't, uh, can't forget that. And then after the hour, he goes and sits down in his recliner, takes out a newspaper or whatever else it may be. Uh, if he's from, takes out a safer, relaxes after a long day. One day he comes home and he sees that his wife isn't feeling so great. She looks tired. So he tells his wife, "Why did you go? Why didn't you go rest? Tonight I'll do my chores and I'll do your chores too. Two hours instead of one hour. That extra hour of work that he does is worth more than all the hours you did before combined."
1: all the hours
0: all that right now, in the wife's estimation she, she, she values that hour more than the previous year of coming home every hour every, every day and doing an hour that hour is worth more why? because she knows that her husband is a person who has a routine and yes an hour of help that's, he's used to doing it and that's part of his uh, part of his schedule and then after that hour he falls into the couch and that's it for him to go out of his comfort zone and to do that extra hour, it's not, it's not a difference in quantity. It's not doing two hours instead of one hour. It's a, in qu- it's a difference in quality. He's doing it for her. He's going out of his own comfort zone and doing it for her. And the same thing is in terms of our relationship with Hashem. One of us says Hashem someone who leaves their comfort zone and pushes themselves. 101 times. You know, how much taka do you have to give? Someone once asked the Rebbe, how much uh, is a wealthy person? So how much daka do I have to give? The Rebbe says you have to give till it hurts. If it, till, it hurts. till it hurts. If it doesn't hurt...
1: It's not so daka.
0: If it doesn't hurt, it's daka, it's daka. But that's the point over here. If it doesn't hurt, if it's in your comfort zone, you have not left yet your comfort zone, you have not um, gone to the level of of serving Hashem. So based on this, I want to learn a little piece of Gemara with you, which is a very similar theme. A very gishmaki piece of Gemara. and it's talking about a famous Tana whose name was Rabbi Khanina ben Tradian. What do you know about Rabbi Hanina ben Tradian? Anyone? Uh, he was exactly. He was one of the Asara Rugeim. <laughs> one of the famous Ten Martyrs. He was um, he was brutally killed. He was burned. They wrapped him up in the Sefer Torah which he was teaching, and they burned him alive. He was the one who uh, said the famous words when his, his students asked him, What do you see? He said, I see the parchment is burning and the yeah. is parches, and the letters are flying up to heaven. Letters there." So this story happened shortly before then. It says Tannura Ban, ben Kisma, Rabyesi ben Kisma. He became ill. Yeah. Hallo Kabbichani ben tradian Le Vakre. Sharbi Khanir ben Tradyan came to visit him. Sra Beshi ben Kisma tells him my brother, Hanina. are you unaware that this nation, the Romans, they've gotten their mandate, their rule from heaven. as as they destroyed Hashem's house, the this regime, they burnt down the the killed the pious ones. and destroyed the the best of us. And They're still around. They're still, uh, they're still doing their work. But I hear about you, that you are sitting and studying teira. You're publicly assembling Eden. sitting in your bosom, and you're teaching. What's this about? What's this all about? You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't realize what the what, what the text? consequences are yeah, of you this. Can you find
1: yeah. I don't
0: know. Amar loi, Reb answered, "Men ashamaim yirachemu." From heaven, the love mercy on me. Amar loi, Reb Yisib and Kisma answers him, "Ani emer lochadvarim shaltam." I'm speaking logic. Vata emer limen ashamaim yirachemu, and you're telling me that from heaven the love mercy. <laughs> listen to me
1: Ben Kisman, they don't do the same
0: thing they're not teaching Ben is interesting he was the Gemara says earlier he was also arrested by the he was also arrested by the Romans but he got out of it with a miracle because when they asked him why are you studying Tehra mm-hmm. so he denied it he says I don't study Torah. And they whatever a miracle happened to prove that he wasn't but uh, mm-hmm. but he wasn't he didn't have the same when, later when they caught up and they asked him why are you studying Torah, so he had a very different he, very, he said why because Hashem commanded me he was another he, a, he was a completely different. uh Yeah. So he says, so again, Rabbi Yisbi says, I'm speaking to you, words of, uh you know, rational words. And you're telling me, I wonder, I wonder if they're not going to burn you with a sefer Torah and the sefer Torah in fire, which is obviously a prophecy, which is exactly what happened. That was part one of the conversation. Act one of the story. Act two. Amar Lois tells Reb Rabbi, my master. What do you think? Am I going to get elam haba? Amar Lois Reb answers him. Did you ever did you ever do anything good? Amar So he answers. He says like this. Yeah, I did want something good. He says, what happened? It happened once. Moi put this That I once had mixed up the money of Purim with money of tzlaka. In other words, Ruchniyim Entradian was a gabay tzlaka. In fact, elsewhere the Gemara says that you should not give money to a tzlaka fund unless the one who is in charge of it is as trustworthy as Ruchniyim Entradian. He was a he was a gabay tzlaka. So once he collected money to give out for Purim, to um, to for the poor people. So he had one purse with the money he collected. Then he had another purse with his own money, for his own purimil. and he went to buy his own stuff for his own purimil, But by mistake, by mistake, he took the, the stucco money. Now, what was he entitled to do? Since it was a mistake,
1: take from his money and put it by there. No, no, sorry,
0: I messed up the story. I'm sorry. Sorry, when he gave out. Sorry, when he gave out. When he gave out the money to the I'm sorry, he gave out from his own money. That's why he mixed up and he gave out his own money. So now, what's he entitled to do? He's entitled now to take back the money from the tzaddik because it was by mistake. He was intending, but if he lacked him, Instead, what did I do? I gave the tzaddik money also to the poor. So I gave both persons to the poor. Because instead of reimbursing, so that's my good deed. Amar loy, Kisma answered in if so. May, may, may my lot be like your lot. And let my uh, portion be your portion. and let, let your portion be my portion. This is the Gemara. Yeah. We know that Nagadat is where most of the secrets of Tayra are hidden. As I In most of the secrets. This is a very strange conversation. You know, the first part of the conversation is sad, it's tragic, but it's understandable. Because throughout our history, we always had that question: To what extent am I allowed to go, I'm a serious Nafesh in order to be able to do mitzvahs? We know that there are three mitzvahs which are yeharig Yavar, the three averes, which we have to give up our life for in order um, not to transgress them, the three cardinal averes. All the other mitzvahs. So it's actually a halachic debate. The Rambam, the Raiva, the Kesaf Mishnah: Is a person allowed to be miserous nafsh for other mitzvahs? So studying Torah and teaching Torah ber'Abbim. So obviously Rabbi Yisib ben Kishma held... Rabbi Kishma obviously held that um, that he shouldn't be... that he shouldn't be Meisheh Nefesh for it. And HaMachanini Metradin felt that you ought to be Meisheh Nefesh. And again, Eilu ve'Eilu Divri Elu And both of them held valid positions.
1: But I have a question on this conversation. How we tell him, I can see that you be burned with the sefer Torah? It's too tough. Even if you see it, he doesn't have to tell him that.
0: What's the issue? Good?
1: The radio's on. Oh. Sorry, go ahead. I said, even if you see in the future that he's going to burn the Torah around you, you can't tell him that.
0: He was trying to dissuade him. It didn't work. He was telling him, if you keep on doing this, what's going to happen. He felt that he shouldn't be doing it. But you see, it's happening then. He potakh Satan. It's a good question. That's another question. Maybe the Mifar talk about it, but that's not what we're focusing on today. The question is the second part of the Gemara. So after this whole conversation, the Bchanina turns to Rabbi Yesi Ben-Kisma and says, am I getting a Elam Haba? Which in itself is kind of a strange question. Considering that we know that uh, humility, Anava, doesn't mean that you're in denial of who you are. And Rebbe Hanina Ben-Tradian definitely knew about uh, all the great things he had done, teaching Torah, Rabbi and he was a god by tzedakah, as we mentioned earlier. I'm sure he had many, you know, many mitzvahs. Why is he so concerned about Israel haba? But that's not the strangest part. What does Rabbi and Kisma answer him? Tell me, did you ever do anything good? What do you mean? This is Rachinirim <laughs> and This is the person who he had just now rebuked for, for, for putting his life in jeopardy for teaching Torah. Even if you disagree with that approach, even if you think that not, but obviously, this is a person who is a nefesh for lima da and, as I mentioned, is a great tzaddik. Rabbi Sivan Kisma definitely knew what kind of tzaddik he was. What do you mean, what kind of good deed did you do? I'm telling him to
1: answer your own question. Sorry? i telling him to
0: answer your own question. Okay, to answer your And what did he answer? I gave Sadakah. I gave Sadaka. That's the only, He found one incident that he did, and when Rabbi Sivan Kisma heard that incident, he says, in Cain, if so, now everything is good. It's just a strange story. mi if I'm going to die with a 70- But he was a God by stuck. He was giving stuck all the time, this one time. Anyway, listen, there could be many answers, but I want to share with you the answer that the Alter Rebbe gives in Taylor's era. says that, as we spoke about last week, Different people have different natures, and some people, by nature, enjoy studying Tehra. In fact, some people enjoy studying so much, if you take that away from them, their life almost isn't worth anything, by nature. These are studious people, um, introverted people, intellectual people, as we expanded on this last week. And the Altar Abba there actually talks about the Greek philosophers, who we also spoke about last week. And that was the question that Bakhnir ibn Taradian was asking. And it doesn't seem that the question was, Am I going to Gan Eden or Am I going to Gehenim? I don't think anyone can figure a path for him to Gehenim. But his question was, Ma'ani ilm haba? What kind of Ilmhab am I getting? Am I really a servant of Hashem? Or am I really just within my comfort zone? Am I really just doing this all because I enjoy it and I feel spiritual and I feel holy and uh, I'm enjoying the, the you know, the, the, it's, the, it's, our, uh, it's the greatest wisdom that there is and someone who enjoys wisdom of course is going to enjoy studying Torah. And that's a valid question. And Rabbi Yisrael Kismet didn't have the answer. Rabbi Yisrael Kismet turns back to him and says, tell me, did you ever do anything which would demonstrate to me that you went out of your nature and he thought and he said yeah says that story with the the purses being exchanged it shows on a certain impulsiveness because the rational response to such a situation is that you reimburse yourself from the but. Impulsively, he said, no, I'm giving it away. People who are studious in general, the scholarly people, are people who are generally frugal, economical. They're not into giving big gifts. They're not, into making, they're, they're, they're not impulsive. They're very calculated. And Rabbi Reb Haninah felt that this was something which was a departure from the nature of someone who is a, a studious person. And and agreed, and he said, "If that's the case, then we see that your service of Hashem isn't just because you're in your comfort zone and you're doing what you enjoy, but rather you're um, you're really serving Hashem even when it goes against your nature, which is really another idea. In other words, let's go back to um, the example we gave before with you know the husband and the wife." Um, I know the way it is by me, and I'm assuming that it's similar by other people also, there's a certain division of labor in the house, and very often it has to because there's certain things that you just don't like doing. So you know, okay, so I, I'll do the other thing. I know by me, I, I don't know why, I never like bathing the kids. So I'll wash the dishes, I have no problem, I'll, I'll wash the dishes, I'll sweep the floor, you bathe the kids.
1: Can I give you my address?
0: Can you, <laughs> for what, for bathing the kids or for washing the dishes?
1: It's the most beautiful thing to bathe the kids.
0: Yeah. Okay. To I, it's not a logical thing. It's just, uh, I, say is, I have a feeling everyone has those things they just don't like doing. So I imagine the same scenario we mentioned earlier. That the, you know, husband comes home, sees that his wife isn't doing so, well, says, okay, I'm going to do the chores. But not only am I going to do the chores that i like or at least don't mind doing even that thing which i don't like doing i'm gonna do that also ah that's already <laughs> that's la'elo, la'elo. That's something else entirely and that's really what it be, in other words there's quantitatively going up beyond learning a hundred times to learning 101 times that's a quantitative leap it's not qualitative i'm just learning one more time qualitative is not only when I'm leaving my nature to serve Hashem by doing a little more than what I'm used to but I'm actually also going to a completely new area an area where I'm uncomfortable with and I'm doing that for Hashem also and that is the point of this patriarch that we're learning over here the idea of the importance of being with Hashem, the importance of serving Hashem and serving Hashem means going out of our comfort zone so the example that he gives over here in Tanya is from 100 to 101 times but let's apply that logic why is it it's it Sakasov that hundred times is uh is over is is a lay and 101 is it's uh it's a uh, it's uh, you know it's a Chaik. that 100 to 101 no it's a logical thing as Dr. Rebbe explains in the olden times the convention was people were used to from when they were little kids in they studied everything a hundred times, and therefore one more time than what you're used to going out of your comfort zone that's what makes you into avodah So what if I'm used to learning three times? Then what? How do I become a Three times three. Yeah. In other words, I, we don't live in the times of Hilal and Ben hey We have today. I don't know if there's any yeshiva today where people were where the kids are um, taught to learn everything a hundred times. No, no, okay. So let's say I'm used to reviewing something three times, then how do I become a evid Four times. Studying it four times. What if I'm used to studying zero times? Then how do I become an evid One One time. time. Yeah. So let's say there's someone, I ask you a question. Let's say there's one person who's used to studying a hundred times. And he studies a hundred times. And I'm used to studying zero times, and I study one time. Who's greater? You. I'm greater. The one time. The one time. So So it it depends. It depends what your measure is. That's really the truth. Is it depends what you You're right. It depends what your measure is. In terms of if you want to know. In terms of quantity, and also how well I'm going to know the, this uh, this thing that I'm going to learn. And if you want to know who to ask, Ashaila, You you know you want you want to know who, who's going to be your rav. Don't come to me. Go to the guy. Who learned it a hundred times. This is a person who's obviously a more refined person, a spiritual person. He's used to learning Torah, everything hundred times. That's pretty amazing. But that's only one barometer. That's only one way of measuring. There's another way of measuring, which is in terms of serving Hashem. I went out of my comfort zone and I gave, and I learned, and he didn't. He remains within his Mitzrayim, to use different terminology. You know, over there, adam Lir Satsmoy, Mitzrayim means your limitations, right? The mitzvara, your limitations. He's within his limitations. And I left my limitations. Now, the funny thing is that his limitations are much bigger than mine. Even when I left my limitations. I'm still compared to him. I might, but that's not the point. In fact, you know, it says, It's about you. It's your, in other words, you're, you're Your mo'ed. moed. What does Mo'ed mean? The very. The mo'ed, you have to do something not only, not only not only in the normal amount, but you have to go beyond. You have to do it very. It's Mo'ed, cha. We don't we don't measure one person against another. Every single person has to serve Hashem. And it's not about the quantity, it's about. It's It's about leaving. It's about serving Hashem. And as long as I wake up in the morning and I go through my day and I didn't push myself, it didn't hurt to use the words. And when I say hurt, that means a hurt in terms of l'mudatayra. In other words, I looked. I looked my shir. I looked my hour a day. But that's what I'm used to. I've been doing it for 20 years. That's already, either I was I was used to it or by now, as Dr. Rebbe says, nasa that which, when you get used to something, it becomes second nature. So by now, I'm comfortable with it. And I didn't. I don't push myself. It doesn't hurt me. Or whether it's in my davening, or whether it's in my giving tzedakah, or whether it's in my obviously yisrael, in which every area may be, if I don't push myself, then I've not become a evid And this... It's a double-edged sword this idea which to me is such a phenomenal yesoid in Avedis hashem it's a phenomenal foundation it's not about the quantity you know it's not how much stock you give it's not about how much stock you give you have know, one person who gives ten dollars but that's really serving hashem because a due to his a due to how much he can afford but even even more than that, because of his nature. By his nature, it's temple. difficult to give, and he gives it because Hashem wants another person to give $10,000. It's not a because it didn't hurt. And it's a double edged sword. Because, on the one hand, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk, it's both good and bad. Which do we start with? Start
1: with
0: the bad. Start with the bad. It's a good idea. Okay. <laughs> the bad is that we tend very often, when we analyze ourselves, when we become uh, introspective you know where am I holding in my so we you know we have this scale and we put on okay so I daven three times a day and I put on tefillin and I learn Torah every day and I have aim and I give tzedakah and all these things and therefore you make a total and you say wow I'm an amazing person And while we can't negate that, because there's no question that learning Torah and davening can keep it of aim, and it the and stuck and all those other mitzvahs are definitely very important, but again, if you're looking at it from a different measure in terms of Aveda Sashem, throw all that out. It's not. That's not. That's not what it is. The question is, how many times did you put? How? How? When was the last time that I pushed myself? When was the last time that I really pushed myself in terms of Aveda Sashem? So that's the, you know, we have to really, I don't even want to say tweak because it's really overhaul the way that we tend to view ourselves and ascribe value to our actions. We have to realize that the value is when I'm there to serve Hashem. And by the way, obviously, when I learned the hundred and first time, this goes without saying, that validates the whole first hundred osa. It's not just then, okay, so then the hundred and first time is the valuable time, but the first hundred is, no. The fact that I learned the hundred and one time shows that the whole, everything I'm doing is to serve Hashem. That's not just about when you push yourself, that validates everything that you've done beforehand also. But the reverse is also true. Meaning that sometimes a person can be depressed and think they're very lowly and think that, uh, you know, uh, I barely learn, I barely daven, I barely do this, I barely do that. And then you think to yourself, for me to become the person that I want to be, oh my gosh, I have to really start learning so much and davening so much and giving so much dukkha on doing all those things. And the lesson from this period is that's not the point. Do one thing, push yourself. That's your service of Hashem. And as uh, as we learned last week, as the Alter Rebbe says, this time, the 101st time, which is more than what you're used to, which you're used to from your youth, is the equivalent of them all, is more important than all of them, with so much more strength, to be called and that's uh, there are two measures you know the passage talks about sadiq in russia and sadiq in russia i can't be at sadik in five minutes even if i or at sadik is a measure of a person a person is at sadik, or a person is at russia How refined is this person? How holy is this person? And that's one measuring stick. But there's another, is a totally different measuring stick. It's not about how holy you are, but are you serving Hashem or not? You can be very holy and not serving Hashem. And you can be someone who's not so holy, but when you push yourself, you're actually serving Hashem. So in terms of, what do I have to do to serve Hashem? It doesn't take a lot. Doesn't take a lot. Pick one area in your life, push yourself a little for Hashem, for Hashem, and with that you become you become uh, Yeah. Why
1: are they using their terminology, because Shona Why shone and not
0: lomet?
1: means
0: to review. To review. Most review yeah. What what let's
1: Let's say the 101 time becomes tether, 102 would be used. You can keep going further on and on, it could be progressive.
0: Yeah, but you have to remember, it's not only it's not only in quantity, but it could be also in quality. In other words, I'm comfortable, some people are more comfortable learning gemara, you know, le girsa, le migras, you know, just gemara uh, rashi, so put in a little more... uh but in, something else, in other words, the main thing, you should be pushing yourself. That can be, both in qu- it can be either in quantity or in quality. Um, and
1: once you become comfortable you know, a new no level... I
0: visit my parents, well, whatever. So I visit my parents, or I call them once, whatever. So I can push myself by doing it more often. Or I can push myself to try to make uh, the quality of the relationship better. But whatever which way it is, you're pushing yourself. Yes, always pushing yourself. To
1: the next next, month, to the next right? right.
0: And when that level becomes hair goal, when that becomes something, but the key is to remember 100 to 101, not 100 to 200. Not 100 to 150. Don't try to jump too much. Whatever you used to, add one more. Add one more. It has to hurt. It doesn't have to hurt a lot. It has to <laughs> <laughs> be slightly stressed out. Yeah. In other words, you're going a little more a little more than you, uh, than you feel comfortable, because ultimately, as we mentioned, what is mitzrayim? Mitzrayim means what's the biggest mitzrayim? The biggest mitzrayim is me. The biggest mitzrayim is is when I'm leaving myself centered for myself. And who am I? Who am I? I'm a speck of dust in the cosmic sense of things. You know, uh, here today, gone tomorrow, and. Um, how do what, the way to leave Mitzrayim is when it's not about me but it's about Hashem when I'm serving Hashem. Ultimately it's yes Mitzrayim is when I realize it's not about me and what I enjoy in my comfort zone but I'm able to say I'm here to serve Hashem and the way that we know we're serving Hashem is when you do that 101st time. It doesn't work the opposite way. If somebody does
1: 10 of Ayers a day now they're just do 9 of Ayers a day? No. We, we get this. It's, it's a different kind of relationship there.
0: There's a part, I think, from the Baal Shem Tov, that we have no idea how much pleasure it gives Hashem when a Yid does one Avera less. Which is a very interesting thing. In other words, that, uh, you know, we think, I, uh, I do one I less Avera. I ate ten times today, so I'll eat yeah.
1: one, uh, one yeah. more meal. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Pretty sure it's in the Baal Shem a Zavart. And so it's true, if I push myself, I do it for Hashem. That does make me evid Um From a Lubavitch perspective, I can tell you, and in general, when you're trying to build your relationship with Hashem and serve Hashem, the best and the best, and the, not the best, the easiest way to go about it, uh, the word also isn't easiest, the word is most, um, the best results will come. In other words, the most practical way is to add in kedusha In other words, don't stop doing things, start doing things. Mm-hmm. And when the Kotzker one said, the Kotzker Rebbe one said, that I want um, have Chassidim that don't do Aveiras, not because they're not allowed to, but because they don't have time to. Which is a very per- uh, it's, I found that uh, when I heard that, I blew my mind. Uh, why am I not doing Aveira? Uh, it's aveira. I can't do it, Hashem told me not to. If a Yid is sitting and learning Torah and doing mitzvahs the whole day and serving the Ebers there, no. where is there, where is there time to do an Aveira? In other words, do samchaim. Samchaim, right. So be Mosef be in kedusha. do another mitzvah, learn a little more Teira, and, and and the Vedas will slip away, the Vedas will slip away, but th- in other words, don't start by focusing on what you're not going to do, because ultimately what you're doing, when you, when that happens, you're leaving a vacuum, because so now you're sitting, I'm not doing, I'm not doing, no, no. Lift yourself up and automatically, anyway, but that's, that's just in terms of practicality, but, um... That's not enough as far as is concerned. And, but even, but even but, in terms but, of chuvah, so but chuvah but has to be practical. Meaning, let's say someone is deep, deep in the mud, right? He's doing chuvah, so what is he going to say? He's going to start doing all the mitzvahs right now and none of the averas. When someone becomes from what to tell him? okay, start keeping Shabbos and, no, and, and, and uh, learn Torah learn all day and uh, no treif and uh, throughout, you, tell, you know, that's not the way it works. There's
1: no valid chuvah.
0: As if we say, maat maat agershanu, and we have to become bali trev also. A lot of times, we say, if you want to be honest with ourselves, there's a lot of avodah to do. And we say, but when it comes to the, the conquering of our soul, maat If you're gonna, you're gonna, you know, what's lashon faster you're going to take, you're going to grab too much, you're going to crash, you're going to fall. And my parents are shluchim, and um, one of the things they do is they actively tell people to slow down when they're becoming from. And from experience, it's necessary because people who, who um, jump, who jump they, crash. they crash. They crash. They crash. So the question is if I'm moving slowly, what area should my focus be on? Of course, the tshuva has to come with the kharata. And the focus should be stronger on the asei than on the surmirah. Add more in good, and automatically the surmirah goes away. Okay. Right. And all lives also, listen, we all have many areas to fix, <laughs> both in surmirah and nasei and uh, definitely both have to be dealt with. And you can't ignore the Surmira, but that shouldn't that shouldn't be our our, our you know our, our main occupation. How am I gonna come to serve Hashem? By doing less and less and less and less bad things. Yes, you have to do less bad things, but keep on doing good things and that'll that'll also help you in your Aveda of Surmirah. So how how did we get into this conversation? This whole conversation about kim and layavadi where does this come from? So let's um trying to think how to do this. Okay. Let's do inside Tan. You We're holding page Chof Aleph. Opposite of page 40. Three lines in the bottom. It says Mipnei. Mipnei because Why is it important to be and why is Studying that hundred and first time, why is that so uh, much greater than everything else? Because What impels someone to change their nature? For that, I need to have I need to awaken my love for Hashem. How do I awaken my love for Hashem? When a person thinks into them, and contemplates the greatness of Hashem in his mind, which allows him, allows him to control the nature which originates from the left side of the heart, the the left side of the heart which is filled with blood. The nature comes from the nature comes from The is where my comfort zone. So, for me to leave my comfort zone, I have to awaken my love for Hashem. And how do I awaken my love for Hashem? By thinking into Hashem's greatness. This is a complete and perfect Avrida for the Bainini. What does this mean? In the end of Perig Yudalad, the last part of Perig Yudalad, if you remember, we spoke that the Al Rebbe makes a big transition. Until the middle of Herod when the, whenever the Alte Rebbe talks about the Bainini, the focus is on doing the right thing, doing only mitzvahs, and staying away from Averis. Or to put it in different words, Altehi Rasha, don't be a Rasha, because if there's a mitzvah that you have to do and you don't do it, you're a Rasha. And on the same for by the same token, if you do an Averis, you're a Rasha. So Altehi Rasha, if you're not a Rasha, automatically, you're a Bainini. Abeni is someone who doesn't do Averis and does only Mitzvahs. So until the middle of Perikidal al the Rebbe is focused on the al Russia. Rasha. And then in the end of Perikidal Al the Rebbe takes a turn. And suddenly the Rebbe starts talking about Tihit Sadik. at Sadik. What do you mean Biyat Tzadik? Didn't we learn that there are only uh, very... Limited amount of unique nishamas that have the ability, the potential to be a tzaddik. Again, a tzaddik is someone who has no Yitzahara and has only a love for Hashem and detests everything which is gashmi and anything that uh, is repulsed by Elam Hazad, only desires Hashem and Tayrah and mitzvahs. Ba'atarab says that's true. You probably will never become a tzaddik. But keep on trying. Why do you have to keep on trying? Keep on trying to develop a love for Hashem. Keep on trying to develop a tist, a distaste for Ilamaza. That is avoyda. It's, it's not enough not to do avirs, It's not enough to do mitzvahs. That's all in the practical. That's all Dibra dibramayzah, thought, speech, and action. You have to work on your heart also. You have to try to develop a love for Hashem. Try to be at tzaddik. Will you ever make it all the way and be at tzaddik? Will your love for Hashem ever be like a burning like, coal of fire they, that you only want to just connect to Hashem? It's not going to happen. Unless you happen to be from the lucky few who have the nesham of But the fact that you're never going to make it to the finish line does not absolve you from keeping on trying. To be be at tzaddik. Avoydah, you have to work on yourself. And that's where this peric is a direct, directly follows, peric Tazvav. Al Tareb is saying that yes, you could be a Benyani and never do an avair, but you're loyavaday. If you're loyavaday, let's put it in different words. If someone learns only 100 times, t- Al Rasha, he accomplished. He t-a-ke never, he t- he's not a Rasha. But the Tahit Sadiq, he's not doing. Tahit Sadiq, the actively working on himself to always awaken Allah for Hashem and to serve Hashem and to love Hashem and to fear Hashem. That he's not doing. So this Perek Tetzvavah is a direct uh, continuation of what we were learning about earlier. In terms of, this is what the rest of Tanya really is going to be about. Is because the beinini, on the one hand, is someone who has to constantly make sure out to hear Rasha, not to slip up, not to do any Averis. That's all of us. On the one hand, we have to always be on the guard not to do Averis and do the Mitzvahs. But we can't forget that that's not all there is to life. Life isn't only about not doing Averis and doing Mitzvahs. We also have to be avodah. We have to serve Hashem. Serve Hashem means awakening a love for Hashem within us. And what is the measure? How do I know if I love Hashem? If I learn a hundred and one times, or in our own life, however we? What's when it
1: hurts
0: a little bit. Yes. Right? Let's uh, talk in Elam Haza. How do you know? How do you know if you love someone? What? How do you know if you love someone in this world in the physical relationships? When you're willing to go what? Do things for them. Out of the way, but not only do but things the to extra them.
1: Extra mile
0: for them. Yeah, yeah.
1: Even when it hurts.
0: Even when it hurts, right? At bad times, right? Happy. Right. That's that's uh you know that's between a good marriage and a bad marriage. A good marriage is, what do I have to do? Tell me what I have to do, and I'll do it. Okay. So Friday I have to get flowers. I'll get my fl- I'll get the flowers. On the birthday I have to get this, and I have to take out the garbage. As mentioned, right? Well, I do it. I'll tell Russia. I'm doing everything perfect, right? I'm not a Russia. I'm, doing, I'm following the, the manual. I read the book. I read the book before I got married and everything I'm doing. But if you loved, you wouldn't just be reading the manual. You'd be going beyond that. The same thing is in terms of our relationship with Hashem. Oye with Hashem is not just following the manual. Taylor says, I can't do this. I don't do it. I have to do that. Do that. But you take it further also. And now we're going to meet. Yeah.
1: How is different from lifting shur siddin? with It's like uh, it's like lifnim siddin. You're a Would you here, you're uh, categorizing him as as an over It's really a chassid lasha. But it's really lifting These
0: are all related ideas, right? Liftnim shur siddin, definitely related idea. On the other hand, what but if someone is what if someone is used? What if someone's used to lifting shur siddin? And he has to take it further. That's, that's not. then, then his it Becomes even more. We mentioned. It. We mentioned last week that over the word oivid and explained, is related to the word ibud oiras, tanning leathers. That you take a leather which is which is rough, a hide which is rough, and you make it into uh, And that's what we're doing also with ourselves. And that's not a process of action. That's a process of really engaging in a relationship with Hashem and loving Hashem and going beyond our. Uh, since we're talking about stories from, from Tanoim it's another story which is a similar idea somewhat, probably probably somewhat famous I believe it's in the Brachus, where it says there are before he passed away so he told his Talmidim he was crying and his Talmidim so asked him why are you crying and he said I don't know <coughs> which way I'm being led I don't know I'm going to Gan Eden, going to Ganem, which is actually kind of similar to what the uh, Mechanei says. But there, he's more explicit. Actually, he was like, "Because one way leads to here," and well, he goes and describes the one way of Gan the one way of Ganem. And here too, the Mefarshim asked the question: How could he not know where, which way he's going? Some say that those who want—I don't know if I don't know if Mefarshim or more, the modern-day people—they want to attribute it. To his choice that he made to to give up on the base mikdash and instead um to establish yeshiva and his famous encounter with uh what was the name of the king no vespasian which not all the chacham agreed with him in other words even the gemara brings down that there were there who thought that um he made the wrong choice so maybe he wasn't sure if he made the wrong the right choice although obviously he's history vindicated Rabbi Yechim and Zakai in the strongest way possible. So the Rebbe Nasikha once suggested an explanation. He said that true, had Rabbi Yechim and Zakai stopped for a moment to think which way is he going, he immediately would have come to the conclusion that he's going to Eden, But he never stopped to think because he was so busy doing his job in this world, doing yeshlichas, of leading Kal Yisrael, and preserving Torah, and doing whatever he did, all his, all his great things, that he never took the luxury of stopping back and thinking, okay, so am I doing a good job, am I doing a bad job, am I serving Hashem, am I not serving Hashem, am I this? So as he's about to die, he's like, oh my gosh, I never for a moment, made a nefesh I never even stopped to think about what's going on. Where are they taking me? And this is obviously the, the consummate idea of it not being about me, that my serving Hashem is not about me and my comfort zones, but uh, a person who is completely engrossed in love with Hashem and therefore engrossed in serving Hashem and doesn't take even a break to to think about his own status and place within the relationship and within that plan. But now we're going to be introduced to a little of a new idea. So what did the Al-Tur Rebbe say? How How does a person awaken love for Hashem So he says, and this is really the principle of chabad, the principle, which is chabad is the idea of, of contemplating the greatness of Hashem, chachma bin das, using one's uh, intellect, and thereby to uh, generate a, um, in one's heart a love for Hashem. And once you have a love for Hashem, then automatically, not only do you not only do you do the right thing, but you serve Hashem in a way of avodeh. That's one way of serving Hashem. And as Alte Rebbe said, Vizuhi top of page forty-two. We just finished Vizuhi Avaida Tamla This is the complete Avaida for the common person, for the struggler, which is to develop, to work, and thinking about the greatness of Hashem, and thereby to develop a love for Hashem within his heart. Oi, but now Alte Rebbe is going to say there's another path. Another path is not to generate a new love, to create a new love through contemplating Hashem's greatness but to awaken an, a pre-existing love the the hidden love which is within one's heart which we have spoken about I believe on several occasions already what is this hidden love just like uh, every parent has a hidden love for their child remember we spoke about this but uh, you know I have two children off in camp so sometimes it's uh, out of sight out of mind so does that mean that I don't love them at those moments when I'm not thinking about them? I definitely love them. At, at those moments also, it's not possible for a parent not to love their children. But the only thing is, it, at this moment it's hidden. But at any moment it can, it can, uh, it, can it can, surface and burst into fire. The same thing is every single yid has a love for Hashem. And this love merely has to be awakened. Lim al-yada, through awakening this hidden love to be able to Overcome and overpower Allah Teva over the nature which is in the left side of the heart. This is also considered an To battle with the nature and the through awakening the hidden love in one's heart. As opposed to when a person doesn't do any battle at all. The fact that you have this hidden love, the fact that you have it. That's not aiming across That's not you can take. You can't take credit for that. In other words, the fact that you have a hidden love for Hashem, you can't take credit for. it That's not called avodah Hashem. If you work to awaken that love, so then that also is considered an Aveda What does it mean to awaken the hidden love? So we touched on upon it briefly in the beginning of Perik Yudalot. And we're going to, as we said then, we're going to talk about it at length. Chapter 18 and on. Chapter 18 through 25 is going to talk at length about what it means to awaken this hidden love. So we're not going to spend a lot of time on it right now. No. But...
1: How is it hidden or something that's it's a new... Or, or love is just... Uh, it's like a new love. If you never... If you never how could you determine what's... That was always part of you or or something that's new? And what difference does it make as far as you're concerned?
0: Okay, so let's talk about uh, love for a parent to a child. Use that analogy. Let's say you need to do something for your child. Difficult. It's not the easiest thing to do. You're lacking motivation at this moment. You'd rather uh, spend your time doing something else. But your child needs you. So you need to um, either create a love for your child or awaken the love for your child. And those are two different processes. One process is to start thinking about your child and how wonderful your child is and all the nachas your child is giving you and uh, the wonderful times that you spend together. Just thinking about wonderful, great qualities of your child till your heart starts flowing with love and then you're motivated to do what you have to do. So you created a love because using the process of Chabad to is thinking about the beauty of something, the greatness of something that automatically that, uh, that creates a love. There's another way to go about it and that is to imagine the worst. I know that's, uh, in other words, tell yourself if my child was in danger, chas shalom, is there anything I wouldn't do to save my child? And the answer to that is no. I, I know that as a fact. Even at that moment when I'm not necessarily feeling that love burning in my heart and I'm not motivated, I know that deep down, that my child is, is more important to me than anything. It's more important than my job, it's more important than my position, it's more important than my house, it's more important than my car, whatever. Anything that you could say, my child is more important. Proof being that if I had to choose between my child and my job, or my child and my my house, there's nothing that I would choose over my child. So here I am, sitting in my living room, and I'm just being lazy instead of doing something for my child. One second, but my child is the most important thing to me. And that thought motivates me to get up and to do something for my child. What's the difference between the first thing that I described and the second thing that I described? One of them, I actually, my heart is filled with love which I created. The other one, all I did was I called upon the deep love which I know that I have for my child and that motivated me to do the right thing. You see the difference in the two? And the same thing in our service of Hashem. That's the two things that he's talking about. And again, I'm saying this in very short right now. This is going to be the topic of a few prakham later on. One way of generating a love for Hashem is thinking about how great Hashem is. You know, the Zimra, how Hashem creates all the worlds. Uh, and you know... Um, you know he puts the he puts the grass on the mountains and then you know everything and all the spiritual worlds and all the malachim thinking about Hashem's greatness and then thinking about how much Hashem loves us and how much we have to be grateful to Hashem until our heart until we create a love for Hashem that is the avoda tama that is the proper avoda for the banini which is for us for the struggler how do I how do I awaken a love within myself to Hashem thinking about Hashem's greatness contemplating it, taking time actually to think about it, until my heart, Pasha, becomes filled with love for Hashem, and then I'm a motivated to do whatever it may, is necessary for Hashem. Another derech that al was is going to talk about later, is some people, it's difficult for them, because as much as they think, their minds aren't so deep, and their hearts aren't so deep, and for them to create their own love is a very difficult process. So for them, there is this bypass, there's this override, which is, Yid stops and thinks to himself one second. If someone put a gun, we spoke about this at the beginning of Perikidal, someone put a gun to my head and told me to, to bow down to a cross, I would, uh, I would give up my life. Which means that my relationship with Hashem is the most important thing to me in the world. And by Yid, there's nothing more important than a relationship with Hashem. Every Yid gives up their life. So if my relationship with Hashem is the most important thing in my life, so I'm not going uh, to do this, this mitzvah. I'm going I'm to do this avera. So what we have over here is, you, your heart isn't filled with love. But what you did was, you used your mind to call upon that hidden love that you have for Hashem. And that allowed you to break your nature and learn that hundred and first time. That's not, as Dr. Rebbe says, if you look inside. Um, so this, he doesn't call this an avayda he says, this is also an Avaidah. In other words, awakening the Avim Suteras is also Avaida. In other words, someone who serves Hashem and breaks his nature through awakening the Avim su'teras, you're Avid don't worry about being alayavaday. But it's not an Avaida Tama. Avaida Tama means that you're actually using your mind to generate a new love for Hashem. Ma Dr. Ever says, on the other hand, if you don't have a Muhammad at all, in other words, you're just in your comfort zone. So the fact that you happen to have Avam Sotarish, that you have this deep love for Hashem, that's not your Avaidah. You can't take any credit for that. And therefore, you're, that such a person is called a Lay The hidden love to
1: Hashem, it's not every Jew has a Pintalayid. Let's start from
0: there. The, yes, the hidden love for Hashem and the Pintalayid is, is the same thing. Is one it's one and, and the same. In other words, what makes me a Jew is my love for Hashem. That, that defines my, my Jewishness. Okay.